the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. 602-508-0960 is our number. We got a lot on deck for you today. Wanted to start here, if I could, with um, yesterday, uh, my producer Bill and I were uh, watching, before the show started, we were watching uh, a little Fox News and uh, we saw a person being interviewed about the Queen's funeral, and uh, she was identified as a <laughs> her job, uh, you know, the identify, identification they have on the crawl at the bottom there, said Royals Watcher or Royal Watcher, Royal Watcher. And uh, we laughed a little bit about it, joked a little bit about it, remember the, remembered the old uh, Wheel of Fortune ad, I'm a Wheel Watcher. It was a lesson in not criticizing before examination it was a lesson that she taught later in the day and it's just too precious not to go through oliver wendell holmes jr once put it that a page of history is worth a volume of logic and this royal watcher her name is hillary fordich went not just on fox news yesterday but on cnn Many of you may have heard this audio or seen it. Uh, I have something to say about it after I play it for you again. It is well worth it, so I hope you'll bear with me while I do. She went on CNN later in the day and was talking to Don Lemon, CNN host Don Lemon, about the Queen and royalty and royal history, when Don Lemon thought he would um, he would throw a uh, wrench uh, into the monkey. If I can, uh, if I can uh, quote from uh, from uh, John McClain in Die Hard, this is what transpired. This is Don Lemon and Hillary Fordich. Bear with me, and um, I'll say something about it afterwards. Well, this is coming when you know this. All of this wealth, and you hear about it, comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity, budget cuts, and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism and they're wondering you know 100 billion dollars 24 billion dollars here and there 500 million there some people want to be paid back and uh, and members of the public are wondering why are we suffering when you are you know you have all of this vast wealth those are legitimate concerns well i think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it though what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain where was the beginning of the supply chain that was in Africa, and when that crossed the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished sla- uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died in the high seas 
trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. He had nothing to say to that because he didn't expect that. I'm betting she didn't either. It goes to knowing your subject. The greatest thing about all this is Don Lemon's silence, his inability to respond. You see, quote unquote, journalists like Don Lemon come off as intelligent or smart. After all, they have reams of writers and researchers behind them. But on their own, left to their own devices, they just ain't that smart. They just aren't that intelligent. They are like kids, a teacher at a great prep school in Massachusetts once said, blazed and obsessed with searching the Internet for any factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. And people like Don Lemon, like so many others at CNN, are highly dehistoricized and decontextualized. They have little knowledge and zero depth. But they do have ideology. They do have their preconceived notions. And when someone who knows what they are talking about confronts them, they melt like witches in a rain shower. They do the same thing with institutionalized racism and the legacy of racism and slavery here in America, talking about reparations in America as well, just the way Don Lemon tried with Hillary Fordich. The 1619 Project does it. The Rashida Tlaibs and AOCs do it. The BLM movement does it. And so many learned ignoramuses in our elementary, high schools, and colleges do it. Don Lemon could have just as much tried this with regard to America. But, of course, like the others I just mentioned, he'd be rewriting history, as is the industry of history now, evidently. To wit, I know one of the comment, one of the commentators on this, uh, this clip uh, with Don Lemon and Hillary Fordich on Twitter pointed out, actually, Vermont beat England, outlawing slavery as early as 1777. Now, she did say country, but in any event, Vermont beat England in 1777. Quite right. And it gave me the thought that I bet nobody in any high school in America, never mind elementary school, knows that. I bet they don't. They don't teach it. Better to teach the legacy of slavery and the institutionalized racial racism in America it has led to. As for this legacy of slavery, or America built on slavery, or slavery's legacy still being the cause of racism and poor outcomes in this country, it's a misreading of history. Actually, it's worse. It's the loser's side of history. Seriously, the loser's side or what was once known as the lost cause version of history. That is, those who actually thought the Confederacy in America was right and should have won. The lost cause narrative is what it used to be called, the version of American history written from the perspective of the Confederacy of the United States of America. To start, as Professor Thomas G. West puts it, every leading founder acknowledged that slavery was wrong. Slavery was legal and practiced in every state in 1776, but by the end of the founding era, more than 100,000 slaves had been freed by the outlawing of slavery in seven of the original 13 states and by individual acts of manumission, especially in the South. Most important, the ground for the eventual total abolition of slavery was laid in establishment of the equality principle at the center 
of the American founding and polity built and written by Jefferson, Madison, Franklin, Hamilton, Adams, Washington, and other leading founders. The Civil War was fought, after all, over whether Jefferson and Madison and Franklin and Hamilton were right or not. So we get a history today that says America was about and all about slavery. No, it was not, unless you take on the loser's side of history, the lost cause, the view of the Confederacy. It was the Confederate leaders like Jefferson Davis and Alexander Stevens who said Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration were great lies. Sounds just like the BLM 1619 project, doesn't it? It was Lincoln and Grant, you know, the winners, the prevailing side that said Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence held great truths. In that great contest, more states, the Civil War, more states, more people and more land, more geography was anti-slavery than pro-slavery. There were more on the Union side in America than on the Confederate side in America. The Confederacy was a minority of the country, in other words. The majority of this country was Union and anti-slavery. The Confederacy, the minority side, was the one that supported and maintained an insurrection. And it lost. They still teach that, don't they? Or do they? You wouldn't know anymore, given today's modern learned ignoramuses, would you? Let me say that we now judge this country then by the minorities and vanquished's narrative as if they were the majority and the prevailing party. They weren't. And I know of no other society that does this to itself, berates its own country in history via the lens of a minority and vanquished viewpoint. But as Aristotle put it, every political community comes together for some cause and some end. And that cause and end in the academy, as much as in journalism, is to reify and instantiate compliance with the woke, self-destructive, inaccurate, anti-Western, anti-American view of this country. All the easier to try to radically and fundamentally transform this country, right? But note, when confronted with light and fact, these witches melt, as they should, like any coven should. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y Refi. These are great people. Y Refi is a due diligence approved firm of investors who do well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that too. They're offering up a fixed no load interest rate up to 10 and a quarter percent return for investors all in a secure collateralized portfolio. If you want to check them out, investyrefi.com is their website. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. That's investyrefi.com or you can give them a call at 855-316- Three zero eight seven. That's eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. Let's go to Michael in Phoenix. Hello, Michael. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm very well. Um, the the uh, Royal Watcher and the Don Lemon soundbite you just played was 
break. Wasn't it? Had you heard it before? How prevalent is this going around? Is it going around a lot? I've heard about it. I I heard about it on another radio show also, and uh, and on like Facebook, people were talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it's out there, and and I, I I love hearing. Don Lemon speechless. Uh, yeah, like he just had nothing uh, to say. He just yeah, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. and and but she she hit the nail on the head. The Europeans that went to Africa, they didn't go there to capture slaves. The slaves are already waiting. They're already in chains. They're already in cages. Stronger tribes would go into the the interior and 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 catch or, or capture um, a weaker tribes through through raids and then they bring them back and trade them to the europeans that were there to barter for goods for gold for silver that made these kings rich they were already there the europeans weren't capturing slaves it would be too dangerous they didn't know the lands so they went there and and these slaves were basically already caught already waiting to be traded to the europeans Something's turning uh, over the. Something's turning in this uh, in this um, line of, of historic thought, Michael. Um, over the weekend, I, I don't usually like playing uh, Bill Maher clips that a lot of other people like to, just because of a lot of reasons we can get into. But you know, over the weekend, yeah. uh, going around was his monologue from Friday, where he was going into a little bit of this too. And he uh, he made the point. He said, "Does anyone ever think about where the word slave comes from? It's from Slav Europeans, Slavics, who were oh yeah slaves. They were put into yeah. slavery. The Slavs were. <laughs> you don't get more European or more white than that. Um, no, and there were so there must European yeah. Slaves. So there's a there's a there's there's evidently some kind of revision of the revision coming around here on this." Uh, all in the service of accurate history, uh, Michael. Um, maybe, maybe we're moving into an era after all the corruption that we saw with the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, all of the uh, all of the uh, self enrichment from it, all of the hypocrisy of it. Maybe after all of the all cops are racist uh, spree we went on for five years, we're now uh, turning a corner on this nonsense. I'll, I'll make one I other mean, point, I and I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll let you uh, have last word or any number of words okay. you want in a moment. I just wanted to make one last point. I can't help in listening to your recitation of what slavery was when you talked about humans and cages and things like that. It just reminds me, you know, of how um, how much of a beast man can be. Um, it reminded me of a line uh, old theologian Reinhold Niebuhr had. Man's capacity for justice, he said, makes democracy possible, but his inclination to injustice makes it necessary. We do have that inclination. You recited some of it. Anyway, that's what made me uh, – uh, y- your thoughts made me think of that quote. But go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah, and, and that you hear the 1619 Project – uh, and how they talk about how uh, this nation was founded on slavery and established to maintain slavery and everything. And yet, I don't think they teach that it was it was Africans, it was blacks um, selling their own people into slavery. I don't think they even mentioned that in the 1619 Project. And it wasn't because they were being forced to sell their own people. They were doing it 
for for trade. For well, it guns, was it was it was and silver. it was one of the oldest institutions in the world in the in the history of the world. Slavery, slave trading. You can find it uh, as far back as the Bible. You can find it before the Bible, uh, if you look at the Bible as a chronological uh, document. Um, Michael, it's 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 been a distorted thing in our academic and uh, curricula experiments, and it's not made us a better people by distorting the history and the narrative of it. It's obviously an awful and ugly and terrible thing. Uh, I just, I just, if I can make one plea, it's what I was pleading for in the previous segment when we do talk about it, and I want us to, and I want it to be taught. If you don't teach the past, you will repeat the past, obviously. We know this as well. Um, I want it to be taught, but I want it to be taught correctly, and I want it to be taught rightly, and I don't want our young minds in this country to believe that this was the entire story of the entire country. It simply was not. As early as I said, as 1777 states were outlawing slavery here. And when it came to what became known as the Great Contest, you know, whether we would become all slave or all free, as Lincoln predicted our house divided was going to lead us to, uh, it was the minority of the country that chose slavery and wanted to support it. It was the majority of the country that didn't. Um, thank God the majority won. Thank God uh, we had men, Americans, and a few others who were willing to fight to end that terrible institution. They did so as a religious mission. They did so as a humanitarian mission. They did so as an American mission. I don't think there's a speech Abraham Lincoln gave that didn't quote either the Bible or a founding document or both. And the soldiers marched to war on the Union side singing something we used to know called the Battle Hymn of the Republic. What battle? What battle? And why was it called a hymn? Anyone ever think about that? Anyone ever think about what is a hymn and what were in those lyrics? What were the Union soldiers marching against or for when they were singing as he capital h died to make men holy we shall die to make men free that's part of the story of america too turns out it was the victorious side turns out it was the majoritarian side it was the most the larger the bigger part of this country the greater part of this country in both senses of that term great and this continual effort to distort that in order to make us feel worse about our country and worse about our history, it's a disservice to history, but it's also a disservice to morality, and it's a disservice to those who did give their last full measure of devotion, another good and interesting word, isn't it, devotion, to something very decent in our country, which I think still beats today. It just needs to be revealed, discussed, and, yeah, taught. Hello. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delight to bring back John Dombrowski with our Culture and Economy update. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. He has his own radio show every Saturday morning here at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Doing well. Thank you, Seth. Sometimes, uh, John, we um, 
we look at an individual company that's making a lot of news, and mm-hmm. uh, you're always good about warning us when it looks like a bellwether and when we shouldn't make too much of that one company's woes or, in some cases, uh, accelerations. The story today about Ford stock, however, does look like it may have larger implications. Uh, talk to us about what happened with Ford today. It looks like they may have had one of their worst days in trading, yeah? Yeah, it's the worst day in trading for a number of years for Ford today. And yeah. one of the reasons that they uh, talk about is, again, supply chain issues. Uh, and they're having trouble getting some of the, the uh, things that they need in order to put these vehicles together. And that's creating a challenge. They've got over 45,000 vehicles that you know they just haven't been able to finish to get to the dealers to get on the lots to sell. Uh, and we're seeing that obviously when we go to you know look at the the car dealers, how many times you've driven by a car dealer and go, oh my gosh, look at all those cars. Well, not anymore, right? right. Uh, and they're constantly uh, juxting those cars for position to kind of make it look like there's vehicles on the lot, but many times those are used vehicles. You say, gee, I thought that was a Ford dealership. How come I see Toyotas right. and uh, you know, right. all these other vehicles? Right. Um, unfortunately, it's it's still a challenge, and not only are they having trouble with uh, supply chain issues, but they're also having the trouble with the cost of the supplies from the suppliers. Uh, they're expecting that they're going to be spending another billion dollars above what they thought they would uh, for for these items that they need to get these cars completed. So. Uh, that definitely uh, hurt the stock today when they announced that. However, they did still come through and say that their guidance that they had given uh, Wall Street is still in line with what they're expecting. So uh, it's kind of interesting. And so this most likely is going to be a little bit of a blip uh, in in Ford uh, for right now, just like many other companies that are suffering. Uh, but you know, long term, again, I always encourage people, if you're a long term investor, uh, find good companies out there that you feel confident in that are profitable uh, and long term, those companies, uh, you know, prove to, to do fairly well. They're going to have to get through this tough time just like you and I are as well, Seth. Uh, John, you know, we say you're mentioning, you know, how you see so few new cars on the lots. We we often uh, have the conventional wisdom that buying a car is not a great investment. Buying right. a new car is not yeah. a great investment. I wonder <laughs> if we're getting to a point where it actually might yeah. be a precious commodity. Yeah. We're not quite there yet, though. No, but the used vehicles uh, still are holding their value. There you, you know, go. And uh, we're still seeing uh, very high premiums for used vehicles, obviously, because you can't get the new ones. So uh, if you're considering selling a used, uh, you know, a used vehicle, uh, you probably have a good shot at uh, getting a very good price for it. Um, but uh, if you're looking to buy a used vehicle or even a new one, uh, be prepared to, uh, you know, be searching for a while for the right vehicle for you. Hey, John, on a related note but different, uh, tomorrow the Fed is probably going to announce another rate hike, about 0.75%. Am I right that that makes it like the third time this year? So what, Mm -hmm. about 2.25% rate? raise over yeah. the course of the would we have been better to have done that all at once or is that too much of a shock to the system i think doing it two point two percent or higher in one uh, month would have probably been uh, or one time would have been a probably a big shock to okay. the system probably okay. too much yeah. you know you've got to allow this to flow through the system yeah. uh, a little at a time there is talk and i think they i read the article it was in the wall street journal it talked about an 18 i think it was an 18 percent chance that the fed actually may make a 1% increase oh, really? tomorrow, they okay. may announce. But 
Uh, obviously, it's a very low percentage compared to uh, the most of the people out there who believe it's a three-quarter percent raise. And it's the third month in a row that they would have raised, you're right, 75 basis points. Uh, but it's very possible that uh, then, you know, next month they could do it again, yeah. right, three-quarters of a percent if, if this does not affect. But we saw the bond markets reacting, um, you know, a very large spike in bonds this week, yesterday and today. And then uh, we did see the markets react negatively to that. So uh, it's very possible that what the Fed's doing is having the, the effect that they want. Uh, and therefore, it could be a sign that things will be slowing down and maybe only a half a percent increase next month. Okay. Well, we'll know, we'll know more tomorrow. You'll yeah. walk us through it. I appreciate you, John, so much. Thank you, sir. You bet. You bet. Securities and advisory services off the Client One Securities LLC, a member of Henry and Sipic, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John Dombrowski. I am Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward, especially against a hedge, especially as a hedge against inflation. And in a failing and falling economy, gold traditionally holds its value. That's why I own precious metals from the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Seb Gorka, I, thousands of you already do. You can check them out yourself by visiting them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or giving them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Talk to them about gold or other precious metals as part of your portfolio. There's, um, we're going to talk to uh, Erica Sargai later in the show. She is a uh, democracy activist on behalf particularly the people, the immiserated uh, people in Iran. She's going to be joining us a little later. This stuff is big in the news, especially as, um, especially as uh, the United Nations is opening its General Assembly meetings this week. And you're going to get all kinds of concatenations of dictators and tyrants coming to the United States to embarrass and shame us, when I think the greater embarrassment is shame is that we allow them here in the first place. Uh, Ibrahim Raisi is already here. He's already given interviews, including to 60 Minutes. Uh, if you want to understand how divorced from reality these fanatics are, they don't just think about the future of the world under their millenarian concepts, they rewrite the past as well if they don't actually believe what they're saying, because I'm not sure if they do or don't, as Raisi said when he questioned whether the Holocaust happened or not on 60 Minutes only just less than a week ago. I don't know if he really believes that or if he thinks he just needs to say that, but Understand that there is a country led by a man who wants to wipe another country off the face of the earth. That is what he says. Um, that is what the leadership of the Iranian regime says about a fellow country. You are getting this about Israel as well. And interestingly enough, we will have Mahmoud Abbas 
in the United States. He will state, he's the head of the Palestinian Authority, he will state at the U.N., this week, according to his Palestinian Ministry of Information, that, quote, his speech will constitute an important historic landmark on the road to thwart and topple the expansionist colonial plans of the occupying state and its denial of the just and legitimate national rights of our people. Thus speaketh the Palestinian Authority. They can't even give you the name of the state lest they see themselves as diminishing themselves. Look at that phraseology, to thwart and topple another state, topple an existing state, topple an actual state seated and represented in the United Nations. I suppose that language is a little better than Iran's, which speaks of liquidating that state. All of this is, of course, a violation not only of all known international law, but the UN's own charter which states this in Article 2, quote, membership in the United Nations is open to all other peace-loving states which accept the obligations contained in the present charter and in the judgment of the organization are able and willing to carry out these obligations, close quote. Some of those obligations include, quote, to develop friendly relations among nations based on respect for the principle of equal rights and self-determination of peoples and to take other appropriate measures to strengthen universal peace, close quote. To the Palestinian Authority, as to the Iranian uh, leadership, peace and universal peace comes only after one of those states is expelled. This week, Rashida Tlaib, helping plant the seeds of this discussion at the U.N., claimed, again, that Israel is an apartheid state. This in a country that gives full civil and political rights to its Arab population. This in a country with Arabs sitting on Israel's Supreme Court. This in a country with 12% of the Israeli parliament represented by Arabs of various parties. That's a higher percentage, by the way, than there are members of the Congressional Black Caucus representing African-Americans on Capitol Hill. Think about that for a moment. What Rashida Tlaib is doing is diminishing the noxiousness and the toxicity of apartheid, plastering it and painting it where it simply doesn't belong. Let's do talk about the colonialist charge for a moment. Israel as a colonial power, as a colonial state. In the northern part of Israel, in the Galilee, Mark Twain wrote this about what he found there in the 1860s. He found, quote, a desolate country whose soil is rich enough but is given over wholly to weeds, a silent, mournful expanse, a, a desolation is here that not even imagination can grace with the pomp of life and action. We never saw a human being on the whole route. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive and the cactus, those fast friends of the worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. That was Mark Twain. What, what, who was colonized? There was hardly anything there. That was in the north of Israel. Over closer to where we now think of as the West Bank, Mark Twain wrote this in his book, Innocence Abroad, having been there. Quote, we never saw a human being on the whole route, much less lawless hordes of Bedouins. 
of his trip there, he wrote, Palestine is desolate and unlovely. Let's try it this way. If colonialism and genocide, or whatever the latest Marxist-Leninist phraseology is, used today to defame and condemn Israel, how is it the Arab population in Israel has gone up, up, and up? How has it increased the Arab population in Israel nearly 25% in the last decade? It's a growth rate the Population Research Bureau identifies as among the largest in the world. Their words, among the largest in the world. Israel, I conclude, may be good at a lot of things. Turns out, I guess, it's really horrible at colonialism and genocide. Meanwhile, as for true democratic norms, the president of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, is serving in his 17th year of his one four-year term he was elected to back in 2005. His political party, by the way, Fatah, has an official emblem, just so you know. It's the entire state of Israel, not just the West Bank, not just Gaza, the entire state, overlain with a grenade and rifle, which might help explain why Rashida Tlaib says not even she believes in a two-state solution. One state for her, but it ain't Israel. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by the good people at Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Any air conditioning needs you may have, replacement, inspection, installation, you name it. New unit, fixing a broken unit. Cool Touch is the company I've used for years. My friends use them. We all love them and say the same thing. Same for their heating services, same for their plumbing services. And they're available to you 24-7. They know that these breakdowns and emergencies don't just happen 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. If you are in need of their services, give them a call at 623-748-4942. That's Cool Touch at 623-748-4942. Or you can visit them online at cooltouchac.com. Cooltouchac.com. We're going through a lot of linguistic uh, revolution here in America, a lot of linguistic distortion. Joe Biden uh, is uh, part and parcel of it, if not one of the leaders of it. Our friends at Issues and Insights point out that um, last week, trying to convince the public that inflation was a thing of the past, uh, Joe Biden stood behind the presidential podium and declared, quote, we received news that our economy had zero percent inflation in the month of July. He repeated it, zero percent. He went further, saying, Overall, quote, overall prices have been essentially flat in our country these last two months, and that's welcome news for American families. Um, are you guys seeing that, by the way, at the grocery store? Are you seeing zero inflation? Zero percent. Zero percent. It depends on what zero percent means, Issues and Insights writes. Food prices were up by over 1.1 percent and in July, and almost 1% in August. Housing costs climbed a total of 1.3% over those months. Medical care was up 1.2%. The only reason the overall inflation rate didn't climb in July and August was because of a sharp drop in gasoline prices, offsetting. That's little comfort, though, to those trying to put food on the table or pay rent. Year over year, 
Prices in August, just last month, were 8.3% higher than the year before, which were 5.3% higher than the year before that. In other words, welcome news must mean something different to Joe Biden and this administration than everyone else in the country. So much more coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 